Welcome to Beyond Dollars and Cents. This is Holland Henderson, financial advisor with Allen & Company, and this is the Risk and Reward Podcast. Today, we have Brad Lunds as our special guest. How's it going, man? It's going great. Yeah? Yeah. Fantastic. How was your, uh, your holiday season? Uh, full of meat and cheese. <laughs> Listen, if you got a good charcuterie, it's not a bad day. No, no, no. Well, fantastic. So today, we are talking about one of your companies, the Apiary. Uh, explain, what, what is it? It is a creative services and content creation company. Okay, very cool. So, uh, what, what do you what, what would you say the main value that you're bringing to your clients is? Storytelling. Okay. So when you look at it, all the parts and pieces are there, but telling a compelling story is extremely important. Yeah. It, I've done a poor job telling the story of my life. Okay. I'm, I'm better at telling other people's stories. So I'm just going to share that and avoid dealing with my my piece there. Okay, <laughs> I can actually I can relate to that. I I feel like I can write about other people and stories, especially if if it's a foolish story about me. I feel better about that than I mean, actually. Why not just lean into the whole shoemaker's child thing? Yeah, and just really embrace it. It's like we're we're good at making shoes. Let our kids be shoeless. <laughs> there you go. I like it. I like it. Uh, so. Um, when you when you get with one of your clients and you're trying to tell their story, what are the what are some of the things that you're looking for that's going to bubble that up into a creative process? It's it's not seeing today; it's seeing what is tomorrow. For instance, we had a a client come to us uh, that was looking at developing t- taking the digital map from an underwater survey and mm-hmm. then converting that into some sort of system to be a simulator for today's. You uh, unmanned explorer. Okay. And we're sitting around. We're saying, why are we dealing with today's operator? What are we doing to help create tomorrow's explorer? And we start to think, what we don't drive for what the next 60 or 90 days is. Let's look. Because stories, in order to be timeless, you need to start to look and say, what is the value going forward? Mm -hmm. And so by asking those questions of, of time, it helps us see things in a different light. And it brings a very strong added value. Now, in order to do that, we need to be aligned with what our clients philosophically are doing and what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And I would say 65% of our work is for clients. The rest, we're moving into content creation. So creative services is a a component to fund our initial intellectual property development. So we have 11 different intellectual properties we're developing uh, throughout Mostly, mostly child or children's. Let me repeat that. Mostly children's content. Okay. So, one of the pieces is uh, socio-emotional learning, uh, using two Sasquatches, for lack of a better, big feet. Okay. To talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Oh, cool. While simultaneously uh, addressing wonder and fantasy, and we've got an educational consultant that's layering in SEL, social-emotional learning, into this. So, eleven-minute episodes. Uh, that is in development now. Another one is a eco-conscious environmental piece that's geared more towards six to eight. We're in market study right now, and that one we're hoping to have in distribution within the next uh, 18 to 24 months. So are you saying that you use some of the things that you present to your clients and a byproduct of that is content creation that you use in other places? No, we don't We don't take a byproduct of what a client we've done for a client that is siloed completely that is what a client has done okay we take the resources that we've garnered 
from the client and reinvest it into creating our own content. So what we've done is we've, so you're a dollar and cents guy, you're, you're yeah. a risk reward. So my industry has always been transactional. It is, it is single use and you're always, you're always hunting. Yeah. There's no farming, there's no harvesting. So what are we doing to uh, annuitize our business? Yeah, that so, makes sense. So if we're taking and creating content for ourselves, we've now created an annuity. Yeah, and then you, that that just continues to bring value to whomever you, it can see fit. So the groundwork is already laid, and then you just build other projects on top of that. Correct. Correct. Okay. And and really, the day to day outbound uh, that everyone sees can be everything from digital twins, uh, which is creating uh, virtual reality cities. Uh, we're doing that for the city of Lakeland right now to allow us to see a true visual database of growth. Uh, we're doing. Uh, overlays of IP. So we did Peppa Pig theme park from the architecture side. So what are we doing to put the intellectual property and creative on top of that? Okay. So that that's born out of that visualization. Uh, gets back to the the concept people say, oh, I'm a visual person. Yeah. And nine times out of 10, what they're really saying is I need to see a visual. Yeah. And to explain that in a visual context, we developed a really deep bench of, of artists. And that was helping us on the architectural side. So we saw opportunity to take all of those artists and those, those modelers and create a industry around that. So embracing the digital arts and then. So uh, did you start out as a creative or are you naturally, uh, you know, business side? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait a minute. I think one thing we failed to ask was, what's your background, Brad? Where did you really come from? Because the apiary is a byproduct of where you really come from. And I want to avoid the, the you come from, because this okay. is really a we. Where did we come from? Okay. That's and, fair. And that's that's a big point in this, this whole journey of where I'm at personally, where we're at organizationally. And... I mean, my background was I enjoyed playing with Lego, love playing with Lego. So someone said, hey, if you love Lego, why don't you be an architect? Like, oh, okay, well, maybe. That sounds doable. Uh, Cruise through school, uh, high school, no issues. Like, I wasn't challenged. Hit the first year of college, completely went computer science, thought, you know, visualization was cool, comp sci, I was good, I was smart there. Hated it. Absolutely hated it. Just dropped out of school. Spent the next three years working as an electrician, working at a 7-Eleven, working at, you know, Starbucks, where, wherever. Books a million, not books a million, Barnes & Noble. I mean, they're both gone. But, <laughs> but my background was really a whole variety of things. And I went to architecture school uh, three years after that. I worked in some trades, so I understood the, the value of work ethic and understand kind of how to put things together. So when I was in architectural school, uh, yes, I'm creative. But then I realized that it wasn't about building the Lego. It was about telling the stories within the Lego. Mm -hmm. And I was really good at presentations because that was telling a story. And I didn't really put all of this together until 20 years into my architectural career that I enjoyed not the time component but or the space component I enjoyed the time component. So if we look at it, even my thesis was based off of this idea of the fourth dimension, this mm -hmm. idea of time and how we sequence through space. So work through architecture, 
grew the architectural firm, um, second generation ownership, uh, did a fantastic merger with another local organization. They had a fantastic visualization department, saw opportunity. So in reality, I'm, maybe I'm not a creative, maybe I'm not an entrepreneur. Maybe I'm just a person that sees opportunity out of the current set mm-hmm. and ab- the ability to build a composition. It's a form of creativity for sure. Yeah, it's lateral thinking, I would yeah. imagine. But So during your time, and I find, you know, stories of business owners and creation of business um, very interesting. I think it's somewhat of a fad right now. Um, maybe it's a, a long-term thing. But during your time, and we'll call it in the wilderness, right, whenever you were kind of, you dropped out of school and you were bouncing from job to job and working those different places, did you find contentment in that while you were trying to figure out what you wanted to do, what you were in love with? Or was that, were you, did you find contentment in that or were you impatient during that? I'm utterly impatient all the time. Okay. <laughs> what was it? Someone someone told me the other day, patience is a, a, a virtue best reserved for personal relationships. Uh, patience does not have a place in business. And it's what, strike when the iron's hot? Yeah. Time kills all deals. Yeah. It's so uh, whatever idiom you want to post out there. To answer your question, I, I, I'd rather I'd rather not answer the question because it's not about finding what I love to do because that changes on a day-to-day basis. Mm. Uh, passions are fluid. Sure. And it wasn't about finding a passion. Um, earlier, we were just talking about what did you enjoy about Christmas, and I, I'm trying to really reframe myself by saying not what was your favorite part. Yeah. Because to have a favorite diminishes the quality of other pieces. So what are all the aspects uh, to it? So. I found a lot of different facets to myself uh, that helped to create the piece of the mosaic I am today. Yeah, I heard it uh, the other day, uh, don't let perfect kill the good. Yes, yes. Right. That's pretty cool. Let's go ahead and uh, take our first break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Beyond Dollars and Cents. This is Holland Henderson, and again, my guest is Brad Lunds, and um, I failed to to introduce our marketing director, who's also in here uh, on the mic, uh, Robin Chaddick. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> I like to just interrupt, so he has to introduce. Well, who I, I am. I, listen, I'm used to that in the office, so that's fine. Yeah, I do just kind of walk in, just pop in. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, here I am. Like, hey, what's up? Yeah. Sometimes like the cool like the Kool Aid guy busting in the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's the reason why we love you, Robin. Thank you. Um, so getting on to, uh, you know, the apiary and what you guys are doing, what are, how are, how are your clients um, involved in the development of the storytelling, right? How, how immersive do you have to be in their life and what they are doing with their business to be able to capture their passion, their project, and, and also keep the story evergreen? I think that's a... We would love to be more involved. Mm-hmm. The issue is always resource allocation to compensation. So it's it's an economics question, really. Um, so I can't answer that with certainty as it relates to we're seventy percent involved, or we're. Yeah, uh, sure. it, it, it's a it's a case by case basis. It's a matter of what are we trying to accomplish with each individual piece. Um, there's been there's been some failures uh, when we started. Uh, creatives have a tendency to not have listening ears, much like golf balls. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's a piece where over the last year, and keep in mind that the organization has only been around for 
less than a year. So we, we officially started in January of 2022. Oh, wow. So we broke, we broke out the master organization, which was the Lunds Group, into three distinct business entities. Okay. So we have the architecture, interior design, the Lunds Group. We brought back the WMB uh, brand uh, for program management, which is mostly aerospace, uh, Blue Origin, supply chain, fun. And then the apiary was our creative content. Okay. So creative services. And that was initially born because we were doing so much themed entertainment that creative and architecture needed to be segregated to a degree for optics because there's always a conflict that wants to occur. Architecture was economics, creative was content. And the two, you weren't allowed to wear the same hat, which we thought was BS. Yeah. So we, we opted to do that. And as we saw the opportunities... And really, I mean, there's a fourth person in the room that we'll probably never introduce because she won't get on the mic, but sure. my, my daughter right. uh, is one of the main reasons why we're going to the creative content and we're doing the pieces as it relates to children's content. Uh, COVID pushed a lot of us to realize what was out there was really refined and saccharine. It didn't have the depth, uh, the evergreen, or the value that you want in your personal message yeah. or your corporate message. And we said, well, what if we were to develop content that had messaging, that had value? And how can we how can we do that? Now, we're not unique in that. It's a game of economics as well, because when you're developing an animated series, you have so much production time you can spend to it. And there has to be a, a component that makes it easily digested. Mm -hmm. But if you look at how things are layered, how there's co-watching, and what the values are you're bringing in shows, uh, there's a lot more opportunity. And the market is extremely volatile uh, given the reshuffling of the streaming services. Uh, Time Warner, you, 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 you look at all of the pieces that have happened over the last year, mm -hmm. it has created an, an environment that disruption and innovation can come forward quickly mm -hmm and very, very strongly. And you've done that um, through your proprietary content, the storytelling you've been doing. You've shared with me um, several of the things that you have in production and, and you're in various stages, but um, and at, maybe at some point you can talk a little bit more. You started talking about a couple of the uh, stories that you're telling, but I, I'd like you to share a couple more if you're comfortable with that without having to give away all the stuff. Yeah, and that's a, and that's a tough one. Um, so maybe you shouldn't share all the stuff. So, so we've, got a, we've got a really big conference coming up and mm -hmm. you know we've all been to conventions and I've only mostly been to architectural and landscape architectural conventions and quite frankly, they're boring. They're, <laughs> they're architects talking about architecture and it's like, if I wanted this, I'd just go back to school. Sure. And, but you go there for your CEUs you, and it's, yeah. where, where's the fun and energy? Uh, where's the business? component. Where's the, cause we're all vying for the same thing. So, um, and having worked in hospitality for a little while, I, I know that there's other conventions out there. Like, uh, back in school, there was the urologist convention that occurred <laughs> and you talk, you talk, you talk, those guys are having fun. Oh my God. It's, uh, it's, uh, you're in good hands. <laughs> like, I mean, it's like you talk about an industry that's anyway, that's, yeah, they know uh, themselves. So, so, you know, I, I went to my first uh, conference for 
children's content uh, called Kids Screen. Okay. And that was not a that that had some speakers and that had some panels, but there was a lot of speed dating. There was a lot of matchmaking. There was there was a whole ton of business going on, and it wasn't a it was a marketplace. It was not it it, it opened my eyes to the industry, and it was just absorbing it and realizing that this is a this is really something where an outsider perspective could disrupt things greatly and. Well, what do you think that that industry, as far as value, is missing specifically? What was the thing? What was the nugget that you were looking for? And I wouldn't say it's missing it. And I want to be clear because there's a tremendous amount of awesome content out there. I Mm -hmm. think that there was a rush that a glut that occurred because we consumed so much content during COVID that we were rushing to put things out there. There were some brilliant things that occurred where there was a lot of foreign products that were dubbed and brought over, which... Absolutely. Some of the best things that I've enjoyed streaming lately have been, you know, from uh, produced in other countries. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's fantastic. When we look at it, it's some of the pieces are not layered enough. It becomes blatantly intentional versus subtly intentional. Yeah. So, you know, I, I enjoy eating mm-hmm. food. Food is, if you want to ask my passion, it's yeah. like, I want to see the world through my eyes and my mouth. Yeah. Like it just eat whatever food I can and, and enjoy the vistas. So it's just like food, a subtlety to the layering of a, a sauce. Yeah. And then you get to, there's a refinement and an appreciation to it versus, oh, that's all shallot. Yeah. That, that's all chive. No, it, where, where's the complexity? And, and understanding that our content can be both simple and utterly complex. The two are not diametrically opposed. So if you get a, 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 if you can distill it down to its core essence, mm-hmm. and it can be utterly simple in an eleven-minute episode, but it could fill your mind for years, then you've accomplished it. Yeah, I agree. So with with so much content being created right now, I agree that there is definitely a place for disruption and additional content. But with so much being created and uh, things being compartmentalized through streaming services. Does that form its own difficulty there? Maybe it, gridlock. It does. Yeah, there, there. With each roadblock, there becomes an alternative path. Mm-hmm. So it is up to us to find what that alternative path is, instead of following ways. So yeah. what what can we do to determine the best course? If we know the roadblock is there, uh, one of one of my favorite books, and I I give to a lot of my young leaders is uh, a book on stoicism. The obstacle is the way. Mm-hmm. So if we understand what is in front of us and the barriers that exist, yeah. It's okay. We can we, we we're not going to we're not going to plow through and and overcome it, but we're aware of it so we can change our course in a way that allows us to understand how to navigate the world. Yeah, I think that speaks to a deeper a deeper meaning of humanity, right? I I believe that um Part of our every person's mission is to um, approach obstacles and figure them out. I mean, that's how the human heart grows. And I was just going to say, isn't that really more freeing when we approach it because there is no rule in terms of how we overcome it? Doesn't that lend us more freedom as individuals? Because there is no path. You're creating one. It frees you from the perception that you have a preconceived way. That's pretty cool. All right, let's go ahead and take our next break, and we'll be right back. 
And we're back with Risk and Reward, and this is Holland Henderson and my guest, Brad Lunds. And um, we're talking about the content that the apiary is creating, and Brad was just showing me on his phone um, some of the content. And it's it's a fair amount of what you're, what the apiary is producing. It it's a, it's a fair amount, and understand that out of the people that are producing this content, it's only 25% of their time of 25% of the people there. Oh, wow. So there, this is, this is a, an R&D, but creative style. This is rapid iteration. This is dump it. Creatives are known for finding the asymptote of production. And you ramp it and you keep perfecting and perfecting. And you spend 20 years trying to perfect it. Yeah. So let's ramp it quickly and get to the 85% and get to a, a minimally viable product and then massage it from there. Okay. So that's what we, we do through rapid iterations and ideation phases. So um, how, how are you cultivating content within your creatives? That 25% of the 25%, how are, are you just giving your creatives free reign and say, do what you do? Or is this, is, is there a mission specifically within so there's guidelines there there is no there is no boundary there are no guidelines there are it's been a you want it to be that that wild crazy just tumultuous environment in terms of how ideas just come out and to say that i'm doing it is is unfair to the people that are there um jesse sessions is doing a fantastic job uh, pulling that together, Matt Lukens, and then Maggie Briggs. When I look at the three leaders within there, um, working with Henley and, and Rhea and GL, Fred's in there. We have a group of, of 3D artists as well uh, with that, uh, Vic, Zach, and then Aaron. Um, I know I'm going to miss, yeah, Will's with us as well from the programming and the tech side. Uh, more than that, he's great. They all wear different hats. And one of the things about creatives is they don't want to be something when they grow up. They want to create. Mm-hmm. And we just want to produce something that has value and is seen as value. So by putting constraints of time, that's the limitation we're looking for. We're looking. Yeah. And so they kicked back. And it was very it was a very interesting year because they kicked back. Well, what about ownership of the intellectual property? Well, the company owns it all. Now, hold on. This is a really good discussion. Mm-hmm. Let's talk through this. Because recognition is an important component. Small pieces of ownership, not the whole ownership, because the company has spent the effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're not going to own the idea. How can, we, how can we share the ownership? So instead of me dictating what that, what that would look like from a business side, I ask them to sit down and, and walk me through what they think is fair. And they put together a very thorough and concise uh, through the shepherding of Maggie to come back to the board for approval. And I was utterly impressed. And it's just how you deal with the pieces. Because most people be like, oh, no, we own the IP. Don't worry about it. No, we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Well, tell me what you want. Yeah. So speaking about particular pieces of content, um, and like you'd mentioned earlier, your daughter's here in studio, she had she had a hand in a piece of in some of the content. Yes, you do. You, do you want to explain one of the one of the content 
pieces we're working through right now. Okay. Um, and by the way, this is my daughter, Avery. Um, she loves horses and uh, stuffies. <laughs> so if we're talking about passions, there you go. There you go. So it's Avery's, Avery's interesting animals, and it's about the girl who takes um, care of animals, and she has a little brother and a wombat named Cube. So, like, each episode, it's talking about feelings. Oh, cool. So, so the first the first one is, uh, it's about a rescue. So, it's layering in um, an animal rescue. So, the first one is the, the buffalo, or the bison, I'm sorry. Never mix the two up. I, I get. <laughs> the, it's the largest land animal in North America. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it requires a herd. So this is coming right out of COVID, talking about we may be the strongest and biggest thing in the world, but we need to find our tribe. Yeah. So the whole episode is going back and, and putting that together um, and taking Betsy the bison back to her group. We were looking at squirrel as another metaphor for uh, ADD. We were, so how do we put in patterns and, and reinforce some neurodivergencies? How do we look at what were some of the other animals we had when i say we what what were some of the other animals that were interesting that you had avery um horses um fishing cats yeah fishing cats which talks about how some people perceive uh you as a cat don't like water but this is the one cat that dives into water Hmm. so sometimes your outward appearance doesn't speak to your inner core May I ask you a question, Avery? Mm-hmm. Were you, did you select the animals to talk about in your, in your stories? Some of them. Okay. That's very interesting. What is so far the one that you feel stands out most to you? Like the fishing cat? <clears throat> That's pretty interesting. How, how did you find that? Um. Like from a kid show, Wildcats on PBS Kids. Uh-huh. And then I was researching it, and then I found out they like the water, and they dive into it, and they have webbed um, paws. Hmm. That's crazy. I never knew that. I love it. Do, what part of the development do you find really enjoyable? Is it the finding the animals is it the research part of it is it how you can tell the story mm. like i think it's all of them combined for me that makes sense you it sounds like you probably get pretty immersed once you find a subject you know like the fishing cat and you probably want to know as much as you can about it right Yes. That makes sense. Wow, that's that's very, very cool. Do you have anything else that you would like to share with other people your age about being creative and focusing on that? Um, yeah. If you be creative, um, and if you're alone, like you, I'm the only child, it can take you from faraway places to new places that you've never been before. That is such a brilliant perspective. I would venture to guess, 
because I'm a lot older than you are, that that is something that could be helpful for someone even my age when we open up our minds to creativity like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's very, very interesting. Thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. You're welcome. So after you produce the content, where where are you introducing it to? So you're you're looking at the traditional dynamic of uh, distribution channels. Yeah. And understanding what, what those are, um, who you go to. There's a whole tax credit game as well. Do you produce in... Uh, where where are the co-production alliances? Uh, unfortunately, the U.S. does not have a lot of that right now. So India uh, through Canada. Canada is amazingly uh, gracious with their tax credits there. The Canary Islands as well. And you just you find some people that have played that game and understand how that goes. So distribution. Um, so once you have that, you go to broadcasters and then content providers. So where does the general public f- end up finding and able to access it? Uh, hopefully on a network. Okay. So it's it's a matter of what, what where value is because do you play the game where you go internationally first to prove market mm-hmm. and then do you move back to the U.S.? Uh, so you add value there. Uh, there's all these different – this is a whole hour-long conversation in and of itself. Uh, short answer is distribution to broadcast channels. Okay. Do you feel? Do you feel like? And I'm not trying to dive more into that um, necessarily, but are foreign countries uh, a little bit more um, willing to take a chance on a show, or their distribution channels are a little bit more vast? I would just have you look at American television and see how many shows come from the UK mm-hmm. or foreign countries as concepts first. It's much easier to put into concept in a smaller setting and then prove that concept and bring it back that's like ricky gervais right with the office and some of those yeah Um, yeah okay all right well let's go ahead and take our last break and we'll be right back and we're back with beyond dollars and cents uh again my my uh special guests Brad Lunds and his daughter, and uh, thank you guys so much for for being on. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah, I, I, it, you know, as a as a parent uh, of three kids, um, it is it's very important where the content is coming from and the messages that it's trying to send. And it's amazing watching the changes in children's television just over the years. Um, we we sat down and watched Charlie Brown Christmas uh, during Christmas time this year. And sat there and thought, man, this is completely different than than a lot of cartoons that might be aired. Just the, how slow paced it was, you know, very consistent jazz music. I mean, the scene changes were not, you know, you could count to ten, and the scene changes hadn't necessarily happened yet. And I'm not necessarily saying that, you know, one's better or one's worse. It's just amazing on how it's changed over time. Economics and technology have played a large part in that. I think over the break we're talking about miraculous, mm-hmm. um, bluey, and the move to three. And it's a very interesting conversation about traditional two D animation. And I say traditional with air quotes uh, because you don't traditionally do it like they did back in Charlie Brown's day. Yeah, um, or using three D assets to create shows. And the development to get to three D is harder to get to. But once you're there, 
you can develop show content quicker, uh, episodic elements, and you can do a lot more skin changes uh, versus 2D is a quicker to market, uh, but you're It's a it's an interesting one. Um, uh, you know, you're not going to ask this, but one of my favorite uh, children's uh, shows right now is Peg Plus Cat. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's think, a brilliant. I mean, uh, brilliant. Just the the layering and thoughtfulness. Drawn on a graph paper. Yes. Yep. So it's it's that kind of thoughtful pieces. We we hope that we have one of our shows hit that level. Okay. Um, in terms of evoking and, and creating opportunities uh, for people that, I mean, making math and science accessible and saying it's okay for girls to do that. Yeah. It's more than that. It's making me more pro-cat, which I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. I, I think my kids get upset when I sing the song about the problem being solved. Yes, I sing that too. I yeah. sing that at work. Yeah. <laughs> it gets a little annoying for everybody else, but it brings a little bit of joy to me. Yeah, I never do it in a board meeting. I found that. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't go over so well. No, no. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, so uh, what would what would be the, the thing that happens to where you look out across your the, the stuff that your people are creating and say, We've arrived, this is this is happening. I mean, what's the what's the goal? It's edgeless. Okay. Um, I'm. I mean, to to say that there is a end goal is to put a cap on our creativity. I think that we need to have intermediate goals and milestones we would like to achieve, mm-hmm. but I don't have a final destination. There, I know that this this will exist beyond me. Mm-hmm. and want it to do so. And so charting a course and getting it through that first piece and then allowing the next generation to take it over is positive because the idea of the apiary, the name, everything was extremely intentional. There. What does the name mean? No, it's a beehive. Okay. So it's collectively working together. It's uh, in both schools I went to had yellow and black insects as mascots. So there's a little little nod to both Georgia Tech and SCAD. Mm. And simultaneously, it is hexagons. It's the most effective spatial construction uh, in terms of how you put things together. It's also beautiful in terms of its, I find the patterning to be absolutely gorgeous. Um, But it's working collectively. It's storing things, and honey is timeless. So we want to make stories that are evergreen, that are timeless. And at the end of the day, we want to leave that beyond ourselves. I mean, isn't that the ultimate goal of, you know, we keep using the word, but of a creative is to leave something that's enjoyed by generations beyond them. Very much so. And with a level of humility that doesn't have their name attached to it. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So, um, is it difficult at any point in time to start to peel your people away from this, this content (laughs) that they're creating to go do something that is, very much mapped in and very specific. I will I will control my excitement with instead of saying hell yeah, with, <laughs> with a. Oftentimes we need to redirect toward putting billable work first, and 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 we've overshadowed because again we're talking about twenty five percent of 
time of 25% of the employees within the organization to do this content creation. What the other 75% are doing and the, the service they're providing both to the other two sister organizations, as well as, I mean, you look at the visualization that we're doing for architecture, it rivals 1,000, 2,000 person firms. It, the, and we do it as a basic service because we're using that to, it's, it's. Why is that? Why does it rival that? When we approached the merger and I sat down with Steve and Mike and we said, okay, when we're going to do this, we don't want an additive. We don't want a one plus one equals two. At the end of the day, we want a one plus one equals three or four. Mm -hmm. And by creating those synergies and, and saying, okay, well, I can have, if you have a, if you have a firm of 50, you don't have five people dedicated to architectural visualization. It's just not smart. It, mm -hmm. it, it, it isn't a good utilization of the full-time equivalents. It's, it, you should have one, maybe two. But by having, I think we've got four right now. Doing the math in my head. I apologize if I miss someone, guys. Um, I love you all. <laughs> the, the, we have them uh, producing that, but it's in a wave where we're really working through some of the work right now. We're working on the ledger site, uh, visualization for that, uh, for Oak Street. We were assisting LA, uh, LRH on stuff for MOB, uh, some of the high-level walkthroughs we're doing. And we said, okay, what, what, else can we, what else can we do with our time? So we started to allow, and this is where creatives really find value, is we allow that just play. Um, and I think Avery is wiser beyond her years because it is something that allows you to, being creative allows you to go to faraway places. Mm -hmm. And to play, to, to let your imagination run. And, and we need to give that space. So understanding where, what the routine is and getting people to perform work for clients with listening ears is one piece. But then to take them off and say, what do you want to tell? What is your inner story? I would imagine that that also cultivates the entire company's imagination. So whenever they are working on a project, I would feel that because that that is being fed, it comes out in the billable products as well. It, it is starting to manifest itself in that. It really is. Uh, it was a rocky component where there was reluctance on both sides. Mm -hmm. But I think that we had to go through that kind of awkward uh, adolescent component of growth where we rebel a little bit and we don't want to do it, but then we get our stride and we find it, or maybe we're growing and we're stretching and it's like, I sucked at basketball. Everyone's like, you're tall. You play basketball. It's like, no, I sucked at it <laughs> yeah, because, yeah. because when it was in eighth grade, I changed, I would grow three inches in a week. Yeah. So try to do a layup one week from a next. It's yeah. like, I had no idea what my center of gravity was. <laughs> so this is the same thing that's happening with the organization. We're, we're stretching and growing and we can't, find and do a layup very easily, but now we're back into our body. We know what we can do. That's very cool. Well, I, you know, you know, you know, the sign of a really good topic whenever you got a lot more questions, but you're running out of time. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm just appreciative for the hour that we have. Well, thank you so much. Um, so before we leave, I like to close out on a couple of different questions. So first off, what are you reading or what are you listening to? That's got you excited. So 
I've had a different answer for that uh, right before Christmas. Uh, one, my COO got me uh, a collection of books by John Muir. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited to dig into those essays and to dig into those. Uh, they're sitting there at home. As soon as I leave here, I will be reading them this evening. Oh, cool. So uh, what are you most excited about in the world around you, either in your field or in your life? That's got you pretty excited right now. Oh man, I don't know how to answer that. Um, that's a that's that. I'm, I've got so or many. encouraged. I just one thing. Okay, so you, I'll take this back to the risk and the the dollars and cents. Um, architecture is typically a a, a leading edge indicator. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited because, uh, based off of our the Billings Index and all the other pieces, we're starting to see an uptick. Mm-hmm. So we experienced a Q3, Q4 slowdown. Uh, back half of Q4 uh, started to pick up tremendously. I'm excited because we have one of the largest backlogs we've ever had in company history. Uh, we are getting qualified candidates to fill roles. Uh, we we are very excited by the future that presents itself. And we're not scared of a recession because I think that the slowdown uh, has has occurred for us and we might experience it a little bit in a trailing fashion overall. But you know, by the end of Q1, Q2, uh, that softening diminishes and uh, we're seeing labor rates come back in line. We're seeing some stabilization on supply chain. I'm really excited that we can stop saying post COVID and we can just live the life. That's cool. Well, I appreciate your time again. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Again, this is Holland Henderson with Allen & Company. Please go to our website at alleninvestments.com to go check out some of our other content there. There's some wonderful blogs and podcasts. Um, And please feel free to reach out. Until next time, have a wonderful day. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult with an appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. Guests appearing on the show and their respective companies are not affiliated with LPL Financial and Allen & Company. Investment advisory services offered through Allen & Company of Florida, LLC, Allen & Co., and its affiliate LPL Financial, LLC, LPL, registered investment advisors. Securities offered through LPL member FINRA SIPC.